This NCA podcast is sponsored by Renaissance. How much growth have students achieved this academic year despite the challenges of learning disruptions? Renaissance is providing updated research into students' reading and math performance at each grade level in the winter edition of How Kids Are Performing Report. Based on insights from nearly 4 million student assessments, the new report explores schools' success in reversing the pandemic's impact and provides guidance to help educators address unfinished learning this summer and fall. Thank you, Renaissance, for sponsoring this podcast. So welcome to today's topic. This is Jill Annabel, Executive Director for Academic Excellence here at NCEA. And we had a very unique pathway to get to this episode. So I cannot wait to tell you about it. Um, today, actually, the day that we're recording is May 25th, and it's the fifth anniversary of Laudato C. And we are planning an upcoming professional development opportunity for teachers um, called Care for Our Common Home Stream Integration. It begins on June 23rd. Registration is still open, and you can join us by going to nca.org. And so we want to talk about stream and classrooms. Now, when I was um, preparing for who to bring on, I turned to one of our NCA member principals and asked her, uh, okay, who should I interview? Because she is very involved in STEM things. And her response surprised me. She told me about this fantastic school and these fantastic teachers that she follows on Instagram. So I have with me today, Selena Scott and Elizabeth Algrim. And I can't wait to have you share with us your role in Catholic education and Instagram. Hi, and um, well, I'm Selena. And I'm Elizabeth. And we teach at Our Lady Grace Catholic School in uh, Noblesville, Indiana. And uh, quite honestly, I'm a convert to the faith. Um, I went through RCIA college uh, right before my husband and I got married. Um, when I became a teacher, I really felt the pull to teach in a Catholic school setting. And when we first moved to Noblesville and visited OLG, um, I remember walking away from the new family orientation after nine o'clock mass saying, I really want to work there someday. Um, so I was currently teaching at an inner city Catholic school in Indianapolis. And the following year, I was actually offered a job here at OLG uh, to teach fifth grade. Um, I've moved around in our school building a lot. I started, like I said, in fifth grade, but I've also taught sixth grade science and health. Um, I moved down to second grade where I taught the sacraments. Um, and then I moved um, when the opportunity came about with my degree, I have a technology de part to my degree. Um, I was able to move into technology when the former technology teacher finally retired. Um, so I worked in technology for a few years and my principal came to me, um, our new principal came to me and said, I want you to move into a first second split class for a year, uh, focusing on STEM. And so I did that. And at the time we were looking at STEM and wanting to really push for it in our school, um, this small group of teachers and I. And then um, I'm now currently back in um, the STEM classroom. We changed our title for that special from technology to STEM. And it's all STEM all the time. And not only do I kind of help lead the team uh, for STEM, but I also am the director for our robotics program here at Our Lady of Grace. And I teach anyone from preschool to eighth grade in our building. Oh, that's awesome. 
I can't wait to hear then how you work with Elizabeth, who's on your STEM team, but also teaching second grade. Yeah, so I've been a part of the staff for 11 years. Um, I started actually part-time in our learning differences program and then moved to fifth grade. And three years ago, I moved it down to second grade. So I'm directly involved in the sacraments and I sort of lead the elementary STEM program. I'm sort of their main lead and their liaison. And I was raised in a Catholic house. So I've been a Catholic my whole life. Um, we left Catholic education sort of on the table when raising our family. But when we walked into Our Lady of Grace, I remember touring a classroom and just thinking how much I had to teach with that particular teacher she just blew my mind and just I loved seeing everything about what she was doing and watching those students grow right before my eyes and their faith. So I've been very lucky to um, be here and have my children go through this program and I we're just so lucky to get to do what we do. We love what we do and our kids are part of this building. Both of us, all of our kids have gone through mm -hmm. um, Our Lady of Grace from preschool through eighth grade. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're very blessed to have our own children here and experiencing and see the excitement and joy that we have for, right. for stream and for STEM education. And they're, they're proud of us for what I, I hope so. I think it's why we know how valuable it is. It's because it's what we would want for our kids. It's what we did want for yeah. our children, um, for our families, for this, our children that we knew were going into the future. We knew this was a skill set that they were going to mm -hmm. need. Yeah. That's awesome. And I, I could just listen to people's stories um, into Catholic education all day. I think that's incredible. Um, thank you for sharing that because it's so much an extension of the home, which is exactly what Catholic education is. Um, and it comes out of everyone's stories. So I really do appreciate that. I'm really curious about more about your school. And it's because when I brought this wild idea to the NCA leadership team of me wanting to interview people I found on Instagram, they said, oh, we know that school. It has a great reputation in Noblesville. <laughs> Um, which is funny because the more I'm learning the country, um, in Catholic education, I'm learning that it's a small world. And so tell us about Our Lady of Grace and, um, it, it's, it is known to be very innovative and you must have a very solid, um, student population. How many students do you have and what have you all been up to? Um, well, we have about 400 students in our building ranging from preschool, tots, age, all the way up through eighth grade. Um, I would say um, our, our team, we have, we started this process with a team and it really honestly started because I got a scholarship to go to a STEM conference for free in Nashville, Tennessee. And I said to my, you know, right hands, I, and I said, hey guys, I'm going to this conference. It's on STEM. You guys want to go with me and it literally took off from there and that was how many years ago six, six years ago six five, seven seven years ago so we went to this conference there was a group of five of us went to this conference in nashville tennessee um and came back and told our then principal we said this is what olg needs to be this is what our lady grace needs to be this is our calling i can just tell we have the teachers, we have the knowledge, we have the passion here to make this happen. 
So um, that has been, I'm going to jump in and just say that is a pretty common experience for those who are jumping into project-based learning or anything with integration of subject areas like STEM in that you have to experience it with a team outside of your element um, because you have to do it. You have to do it and try it in order to understand why you would teach this way and how it would drive deeper critical thinking for students. So it's funny for me to hear that because I've heard that time and time again. Well, and you have to have a group of people that are as passionate about it as you are. You can't, you have to have a group of people that aren't afraid. Yeah. You can't ask your students to try and accept failure when, if you're not willing to do so. And I think we just jumped in with both feet and said, let's just do it. Yeah. And we were very blessed in the fact that we had people in our building from all areas. Yeah. So it wasn't from just, preschool. we had a, you know, a preschool teacher we had um, a middle school teacher. There was myself, there was Elizabeth who was, you know, at the time intermediate, but I had just come out of the second grade classroom. So I knew the primary grades. We had people in, on our team that covered every area of our building. And every student. And every student and touched our students and, you know, at whatever age level. So we knew it was a possibility just because we had the passion and the drive to make it happen and the resources and the people that were going to make it happen. We had incredible buy-in from the beginning, I yes. think. That's great. And it sounds like then you're able to launch really well. How did that turn into, and, and I guess I want to get to what is a day-to-day uh, look of your role. What, what's the day-to-day in your role as STEM director in an elementary school? Are you teaching, are you pull, are you going into classrooms and co-teaching science lessons or, or what does it all look like? So I literally have my own classroom. Um, I am blessed with a space that I am in the library. So I teach in the library. Um, but I have a baker space connected to that. I also um, have access, um, our school has a wood shop, which you don't just see very often in schools anymore. But we have a full functioning wood shop now in our building where the kids are building and constructing using table saws and band saws and miter saws and drill press, drill press and scroll. Banders. Yeah, I mean, all the heavy machinery that you would see in a professional wood shop. So um, the backing and the support that we got from individuals um, connected to our parish and stuff that made that happen was a huge part of our success, I think, too. Mm -hmm. Um, As a STEM director, yes, technically, I guess you could call that my role, but I teach every day. I see every student in our building. They rotate through me like a regular special. So my my class is called STEM. And Mm -hmm. the kids know when they come to me, they'll be working on the engineering design process and they'll be going hands-on into it. Um, so it's my it's my responsibility not only to bring in the technology part like I used to, but I mainly focus now on the engineering and the STEM. And then I collaborate with the classroom teachers. And that's a huge part of, I think, what's successful for us. Elizabeth and I are constantly collaborating on projects um, with sec- or between her second grade class and what they're doing with me. Um, an example would be that fifth grade came in and they were this year working on the colonists, early settlers, you know, the colonies. And so they had to build a, a colonial plow. 
and tried to see if they could get a functioning colonial plow that would the wheels would turn or whatever and that could it was built like a plow from that time period that's great and it takes a lot of work i just want to jump in and say it takes a lot of work to um, to work with other teachers in the building for a common purpose. Um, people kind of covet their, their processes or how they want to assess certain things or how they want to, where they want to go with it. Does your STEM course, did it replace what some schools are still calling technology class as an elective, or is it in addition to something that would have been keyboarding and, and some basic, uh, technology and coding and things? It actually replaced our technology class, but Great. that doesn't mean that it went away. Right. Um, I still focus on those keyboarding skills and I still focus on digital citizenship with my kids, even though right. we're in camp. Because as I, I tell the kids, you know, STEM is an acronym and that means that we will be covering science, technology, engineering, and math, religion when it when we use the religion component and arts going into the arts. Um, we have a very robust arts program here mm -hmm. and our art teacher is very much part of our STEM leadership team. And she, we work hand in hand with projects all around our building. And I think that's what makes it so successful is everybody's on board. Everybody has buy-in. That's great. I, so on your Instagram, I see all kinds of things. I see plant mazes. I see escape rooms and maker spaces and Ferris wheels tree houses, and then STEM journals. What are some of the most successful lessons you've taught recently? And how do you measure that success uh, when it is an elective course? I think, I, I hands down, one of our most, I think, successful is the plant mazes. I, I think so. I think it just has become sort of legendary in the last three years in second grade. The kids all know, sort of know that it's coming. And we do a supply drive for shoeboxes and cardboard tubes pretty early. And so the kids are pretty anxious to start to start working on those right away, but they're interested in the end result. Yeah. Uh, they really do want to see if their ideas are going to work, both their engineering, if their build will stand and if their plant will grow through their maze. And I think this year was probably one of our more innovative years in the past, Every maze has gone up, and this year was the first year where we had mazes that were what more horizontal, yeah. and openings that were more diagonal that had more holes in them. I really feel this group of students, surprisingly, for how limited sort of STEM was given our COVID circumstances, they were much more innovative this year. Mm -hmm. And so, by far in second grade, I think that was one of our most successful second grade activities. I want to think that our, all of our children, my own children included, I want to hope that they're more uh, inventive and innovative because they've been so creative this past year. <laughs> We've all been so creative and had time to sleep and time to think. So let's hope that that trend continues each year that they come up with new ideas. Yeah. And I think the measure of success for, for us is, yeah, you can create a rubric and you can grade but sometimes it's more the the joy and the excitement that you see on the student's face when they've been successful after, especially after multiple attempts. You know, we when we started this process, one of the hardest hurdles that we had to get through, um, I would say, is the kids breaking down because they they failed in the first attempt, right. and we had to really. Um, reprogram their mindset, so to speak, that 
fail doesn't mean anything. It's the first attempt in learning. I'm sure people have heard right. that acronym multiple times. Um, and it's okay to fail. And I always get, I always start my year off telling stories to the kids about failed inventions that mm -hmm. turned around and became successes because I think that they don't understand that it's a process and that they don't always have to get it perfect on the first try. And so now that we've been at this for as many years as we have, we've seen a mindset shift in our whole community as far as our students. And they don't break down and they don't get upset. And they're like, well, that one didn't work. Let's try that. I mean, it's just, they get it now. They understand that it's a process. They're growing in their communication skills. They're certainly learning how to collaborate better. Oh, yes. I think this year we're hitting yeah. a few walls in that department. But they're definitely gaining some of those soft skills that we as adults didn't get until much later in life. And so we don't always look at the success of the project as to whether or not the plant grew to the sunlight, but did those three or four students work together in a group and create something that they had originally put on paper? Were they able to improve it and still like each other maybe at the end of the project? Sometimes those are our biggest measures for success over did the plant actually grow? That's usually just bonus for us. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that because I think it's hard for parents of this era to understand the approach because long gone are the days of parents taking over their children's science fair projects because it's about the end product, as opposed to you are teaching a process and you're teaching thinking and questioning and the awe of creation and, and all of the things that come before the final product. And that's very important. So I appreciate you bringing that up because that's very hard to explain to a parent population. Well, one of our biggest things that we say when we talk to other schools that are always curious about how did we get started in STEM and one of the very first questions that I think always gets asked of us when we're presenting and talking is, well, what curriculum do you use? Oh, yeah. That's like the number one thing that comes yes. up. <laughs> and, and I always stop people right there. I said, STEM for us in our school and our beliefs, and this isn't for every school, but for us at Our Lady Grace, STEM is not a curriculum. It's a methodology. It's the way we teach. It's ingrained in everything we do. It's just not some pre-packaged bought curriculum because here's the thing. We don't want our students to come out of a project with everybody's being a cookie cutter project and everybody's looking the same because that's not STEM. STEM is allowing these kids to, to think outside the box and be creative and do things that you know, we wouldn't or couldn't imagine. I Perfect example today, I have a project that I'm working with my sixth grade class and it's, they have to build a taco truck, a 3D dimensional taco truck. And so we've been working on this project for a couple weeks. And today I said, okay guys, you really need to finish up because we, you know, this is really the last day. And I had one student come to me because, well, here, here's my project. And I looked at him and go, that's not a taco truck. And he goes, well, because it's a taco drone. I'm delivering my tacos on drones. Nice. I mean, how can I not be? Yeah, I'm like, you know, I'm like, but that's not the assignment. That's <laughs> but in my head, I'm like, you're a genius. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You have to take all the credit for that. Yeah. It's amazing to me. I'm like, that's not what I said to do in the assignment. Uh, but on the other hand, you are amazing. Yeah. You know, it's so yeah. you have to decide as a teacher, okay, 
so what am I going to grade on? Is it the fact that he didn't follow the directions it, or is it the fact that he stretched his thought process so far and really thought about where the future's going to say, no, I'm going to be delivering tacos on a drone. Yeah. It, it you know, served the same purpose, right? And who needs a truck if you have a drone? I'm with them. That makes total sense to me. Right. As long as we have our tacos. Yes. It's really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Okay. So I wanted, I want to make sure we address this. So in today's world, you can find ideas for STEM and anything like anywhere you can go to teacher pay teacher, you can go to Pinterest, Instagram, you can be inundated with tons of, uh, just glamorous looking finished projects or great, like kids smiling, like you can find anything, but how do you sort through all of that? And what's, what does the real work look like? So like, how do you decide what to pursue and why? Standards. <laughs> yeah, usually standards are sort of the key. I think we sort of have to look through and see we, we need to make sure that we're addressing the needs of our students to get them to the next academic year so that they're ready for that. It's one thing to say they can cut an engineer, but that isn't necessarily going to help them master three digit addition in third grade or start multiplication or write longer, more detailed paragraphs. So we do have to definitely work through that. Honestly, my list of projects is pretty long. I'm not sure that there would ever be enough time to get them all finished. And I also really look at the makeup of the class. That's a big key part. What are they capable of doing? What are we capable of trying? What's, does our, what does the supply list look like is big because as a smaller private faith-based school, we don't have unlimited funds. And so we do a lot of supply drives from parents who can be very generous with us. But we also don't want to overburden them all the time asking for cardboard tubes and cotton balls and all the other <laughs> duct tape and all the things that we ask for. So I think sometimes you just, I get my best ideas early in the morning. <laughs> I will text Mrs. Scott at 5 a.m. and say, here's what I'm thinking. <laughs> and we just, and magically, it just sort of comes to life. We have to own that part of this process is our own excitement in it and just know that somewhere from our conception of the idea to the end it'll just figure itself I out the best example of that is the corn maze in fifth grade oh lordy <laughs> yeah this the the elizabeth was teaching fifth grade at the time and this is after we had started our stem and she literally called me in the morning she's like or it was late at night, I don't remember which, and she's like, I need an idea. I need an idea. We're doing this, this, and this. And I'm like, uh, okay. She's like, I don't even remember what did it was a book. I can't it was a book. book. Oh, it was um old yeller. Oh, yep, old yeller. They were reading old yeller. And see, right here shows you where you can tie reading and social studies and all those other subjects into STEM. It's just not about the science and the math mm -hmm. and the engineering and the technology part of it and she's like I need to figure out how we can do a math problem but I need it to be STEM related mm -hmm. so I she said I want them to be able to figure out acreage like for corn right and I, I, I said well why don't you make a corn maze and she goes what I go you know a corn maze we're in Indiana that we're in Indiana it's corn it's a thing, <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> so she goes well how am I going to do that I go well just get some styrofoam get some toothpicks. Those are your corn stalks. And I said, have the kids gritted out on graph paper. And I was at, I was at the store probably before school the next day buying all the supplies. 
I'm not even sure I had the plan worked out, which goes against every engineering design process we ever taught. It was phenomenal. We ended up using Google Earth to look at other corn mazes, which was a phenomenal resource for the kids to really see how they worked out. We ended up calculating how much corn the field should have been worth and then how much it was worth after we knocked it over to make the corn maze. And then we actually blew cotton balls through their everybody else's corn maze. Well, and then you figured out because you deducted so much corn out of the field, how much did you have to charge to make right, to, to make in. up right. for the loss of corn? Right. So it just ended up, I'm sure that we had other things we were supposed to be doing that week, but this project sort of took on a life of its own. And sometimes you have to do that. You as a teacher, sometimes you have to relinquish control and say, this is too good of an opportunity. This is too much of a, a learning moment to pass up. Mm -hmm. And you have to be willing to give up maybe something else that day or that week in your classroom because the momentum and the energy and the drive and the excitement for the learning is happening that you have to just go with it. That's so true. I, and it always comes back to that. And and you can always find that balance too between what you're describing and getting back to those standards. Cause then you realize later that you actually did a lot more than you realized you did because of the probing questions you're using and, and the way students are, are solving things. Um, I want to make sure now, I didn't know whether to start with this question or to get to it here, but I'm glad we're talking about it now. The big question, um, actually this came from your Instagram fan is <laughs> how truly it came from her, um, is how do you ensure sure that you are integrating the R for religion, our Catholic faith into your stream lessons. Otherwise, sometimes they can all, a lot of the STEM stuff you can find is, can be very secular, but I love that Catholic schools are the why, you know, it's that extra layer. Like, why, why are we doing this? Well, because we're called to care for creation. We're called, um, to take care of each other, but in your, in your words and in your work, how do you ensure that religion is integrated? Well, I know Elizabeth does a great job of it in her, her classroom alone. Um, I'll let her talk about that in a second, but we provide opportunities um, to our school families to integrate stream into their lives. Um, we do a family stream night and where each of the STEM challenges or stream challenges are based on Bible stories. Um, so every station or stop that they go to in that night is a different Bible story that they have to create a, a STEM challenge or they do a STEM challenge for. So that's one way school-wide that we kind of incorporate it. But, you know, our teachers do a really great job besides, and, and I do it in my room, but we incorporate that our part in almost like a lot of our mm -hmm. STEM lessons. Yeah. I mean, we like to say that we're a STEM school um, with a stream initiative, because we know that religious aspect is very much at the, is at the core of who we are. And, you know, we say that, you know, it's just not science, but a study of God's incredible universe. It's just not technology, but using God's tools for the good of mankind. It's not just religion, but a living guide for his children. It's not just engineering, but an appreciation for God's great gift of creation. It's just not art but an understanding of mankind and his relationships. And it's just not math, but an encounter with God of order and logical reasoning. You have to pull God into every aspect. It doesn't matter if it's just STEM. 
staff. It, it, it's, in, it's in math class, it's in reading class, it's in PE class, it's in music class, it's in every aspect and, and fiber of our being here. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth always starts off. Yeah, every lesson that I do, I try to relate to whatever we're doing in religion. And I try to find scripture or a Bible verse to go with it, especially with STEM. Because I do think that when they're getting frustrated, we can pull back and relate to that verse and think through truly what are we trying to build. So this week, especially with talking about Pentecost, um, we did something today where we just made pinwheels, which seems very simple. But when you just think about the fine motor skills that go into that and the act of the, the gale of wind that came down, our kids really get something from that. And we go back and we're reading Acts of the Apostles again. So there was just a lot to it. Of course, yesterday we made the ice cream sundaes, but that's just one more aspect of it. We took that as the art, I think. And during the month of May, we focused a lot on Mary. We talked, we made Mary dioramas, and it was so beautiful to see all the creativity that came out of something so simple. We've done dioramas before, but these were so beautiful, and the children put so much into it because they kept saying, to our blessed mother, we want to honor Mary, and they just took so much care and love for them. And we made miraculous medals out of tinfoil that the kids um, just punched with pencils or traced with pencils and tinfoil, which we thought would be a two-day project. We hadn't attempted those before. And it was absolutely quiet in my room for 12 minutes while they worked on these medals. And then all of a sudden they were like, we're finished, hang them up. And the, the looks on their faces just almost brought me to tears because I thought, oh my gosh, look how proud they are. And all I've heard since then is, when are we taking them home? Can we take them home when we have them on the last day of school? Because of how much they treasure those. And so I just think that the spirit absolutely moves them to do the right thing when you keep reminding them that it's for his glory. One of the, one of the things that we teach here, I, it's my class in the middle school is EPICS. And mm-hmm. EPICS stands for Engineering Projects and Community Service. And it's a, it is a curriculum, it's through Purdue University. Um, it's one that they asked me to pilot for them several years ago for middle school. And so it's um, a free curriculum that you can teach in your school. Um, but what I love about it is, is the focus on service learning. And that's their, their huge, portion of what they do is it's all about how can I give back to my community. So Epics really works well with the Catholic school and our Catholic social teachings mm-hmm. and the beliefs that we have. And I, I couldn't be more proud of the eighth grade class this year. Um, the eighth graders decide on what their project is that they want to do. Um, and I just help facilitate it. I just kind of am the back person in charge, but they, they do it. And, um, the, what these kids created this year just is mind-blowing. Um, we were out there today? Yeah, mm-hmm. we, they created an outdoor classroom because they looked at me at, at the beginning of the their quarter and they looked at me and they said, Mrs. Scott, we need a place that we can just be outside and study because of COVID. This, it's just, it's so hard being in the building. And so they created an outdoor classroom. Um, they built the benches and did the work um, in our wood shop to, to create this, this classroom, a teacher podium. I, w- I was out there today with my, with my class. It was phenomenal. And actually we were fighting for it because third grade came out right after I did and said, Oh, we were going to sit there. <laughs> and, and so then, then, then they treat, they created a, a calming room for some of our students that have learning, um, um, challenges and they re 
worked a whole space in our building, a small room into this beautiful, um, peaceful. calming, peaceful. They painted a mural and they, they, you know, put together furniture and just created this space that the, the, the children now who need that break mm -hmm. love. And, and they had to do all the work and they did, they went through that engineering design process and they had to reimagine and rethink and go back and how can we improve this? And this is not working. So what's, what's another option? I mean, they worked themselves through that process and they've come out on the other side and they are super proud. And I couldn't say, I have, I couldn't be more proud of the work that they did this year, but it's also giving them that opportunity and, and loosening up on the restrictions and allowing them to make decisions. Um, I think it's part of why they're so successful. Um, as a teacher, I'm a little bit, I would say more free. Yes. And, and not so structured. Trust, we're yeah, trusting, we, we, we trust them. We trust them in the process. Yeah, their decision-making. And, and a lot of, of what you'll find in STEM and in stream education is you have to hand over a little bit of the reins to the kids. Some of the, you have to let go of some of the control. Sometimes you have to let go of the control. And that's really hard for teachers sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a learning process as a teacher. I mean, it didn't come easily to either one of us at first. But the, I don't think so. I think there are times when you have to let go and think, how, how much involved do I want to be here? What is my role going to be? Especially with the new project and with your class makeup. And then say, I'm, I'm going to be this involved. I'm going to answer this specific question or these many questions about this part of it. And then after that, I, I'm going to expect that they can do some of the problem solving. And, and be there to help them when they fail and encourage to them. Talk, yeah. To talk yeah. through what's the next step to go back through the improvement step. Yeah. Because a lot of times when they, they hit those roadblocks or they hit those, those walls, they want to shut down sometimes right. and you have to be there not to just give them the answer, but to, to help them through it, to, to, Correct. Give, them, to give them a hand. And these eighth graders are kids that have, we've had yeah. the longest go through the program. So they've had the most STEM of any group of graduates we've had. So it's, it's going to be fun in two years to have a group of kids that have gone all the way through. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have a group of kids that have gone all the way through preschool. Absolutely. I'm hearing you. I mean, I'm hearing you describe the things that everyone reaches for, which is gradual release of responsibility, shared control, facilitating learning, uh, letting students explore their talents and their call. And I, you can see it in action over time. And it sounds like you've been at this long enough that you're able to really grab hold of it now and name it when you see it, which is incredible. And it's not what you can necessarily experience the first time, the first project, the first leap of faith that you take when you, when you do a different approach, like you've all have done. I, I want to make sure I ask you this question. You, you touched on this because I can hear it and how you're describing things. Um, but in your opinion, how does Lodato see ignite? the work of stream education in Catholic schools. I can hear it in what you're describing, um, but is there anything specific that you think Pope Francis is calling us to do? And I'm asking you this because I, this is my call to all Catholic teachers that Laudato Si is a very approachable text. It's the encyclical letter that was five years ago, and it is, it's not hard to read. It's actually very exciting to read it and think, oh, that's my school. That's my classroom. This is our call. Um, but when you have read it or engaged with this, like, what do you feel Pope Francis is calling for us to do? Well, for us, I think that it goes back to the service. He's calling for us to help serve others and help us renew the face of the earth so that 
everybody has access to what is needed so that we all can keep giving back. We are called early in the Bible to care for the creation. And we keep our students doing that. We've got a tower garden inside. We have a greenhouse outside. We definitely want to make sure that kids are connected from the beginning, that if we take care of the planet, the planet takes care of us. But we have to understand that not everybody has access to the same things that we do, and it has to grow outward from us. It can't just be about the food drive we do in November, which is wildly successful. What can we do from there to make it a year-long initiative or a an annual initiative that is just expanded into our community from somewhere else. Um, and we just can't ignore the advances that are coming from agriculture or system renewal or even in conservation. And so I think that we've got to figure out that um, the more we do now, that the longer our students existed on this planet is going to work if they see what we're seeing now. Um, we're charging them with being responsible for us when we're older and for taking care of a planet for much longer than we hope to do so. So we are really putting a lot of pressure on them, but we hope we're giving them skills for jobs. We say this a lot. We we're training them for things that they that haven't, we are, we are preparing our students right now for jobs that don't even exist, yeah. that are not out in the workforce, that don't exist because things are always changing and they change rapidly that we can't even fathom and they're already dreaming about. And, and it, we may be preparing them because of those soft skills. We right. are teaching them how to be critical thinkers, how to collaborate, how to be creative, how to question and, and work through a process and not give up, but to persevere and right. to keep going and knowing there is a way to find this. I just need to keep reaching for that answer. And, and if I put God first and then others next, that not only will I achieve, but I'm going to help people along the way. And that's going to bring my end joy, my result. Mm -hmm. um, we just want these kids to find what their passion is in service. It's probably the thing that draws so many people to our school is that every grade has a commitment here to service in That's some right. capacity. And mm -hmm. so I think that it matches and aligns exactly with what Pope Francis is saying. And so we just take every project and look forward and say, what could this do in the future? Who could this benefit? What is this showing? Um, if we look at the pinwheels we made today and the kids are looking ahead, oh, I could connect this to something and make it spin. All of a sudden, that's going to come back later on and somebody's going to be thinking about how a water wheel or a windmill could change somebody's life. That's great. And I just, I, we could probably talk all day. Your excitement is contagious. I feel like there is more to come. This is exciting. Um, I have a final question for you and it's much lighter than what we've been talking about. Um, <laughs> Okay. So thanks to our NSA member base, we found you on Instagram. And so I'm curious who in Catholic ed do you follow? Well, I follow Selena. I follow Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite as good at Instagram as she is. Um, I'm trying to be a lot better. She is truly my greatest collaborator. She puts up with all of my crazy early morning and late night ideas. I follow a lot on NCEA. I just think that they really put things out there that I think about in a different way. I follow a great 
blog called Look to Him and Be Radiant. I follow Andrea Chavez Cop and Barb Gilman, who was an NCEA teacher of the year several years ago. She has a lot of ideas, and sometimes I just toss a STEM idea out of there. Um, and I also follow the Notre Dame STEM ed group. Yeah. Um, I think their teachers do a lot of really great things. Um, like I jokingly said, I do follow Elizabeth. <laughs> um, but I also follow like Terry Bach, our, our STEM oh, teacher. Yeah. I follow our art teacher, Rachel. You know, people in our own building you know, that goes without saying, but there are several groups on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook that I follow. Um, Catholic Icing, I'm sure a lot of oh, the yeah. listeners all know about mm-hmm. her. Um, there's a great um, Instagram page that I follow. She, her, is it, I teach the ones in the middle. She's a Catholic school teacher, a middle school teacher. Um, several hashtags that I like to follow on Instagram, like Catholic school teacher or Catholic STEM. Um, there are schools that I actually follow on Instagram. St. Joseph Catholic School is one of them. They're one of my favorites. Um, and then on Facebook, I follow Catholic elementary and mid-level teachers and Catholic school teachers. And then there's um, also other people on Twitter and stuff that I follow. And those are all the Catholic ones that I follow. But obviously, I follow hundreds, if not thousands of more people. And one of the things I want the listeners to realize is you could always look at a STEM lesson as a Catholic school teacher that is put out there by not necessarily a Catholic school teacher. Um, and, but it's very easy to use their lesson or their ideas and tweak it and use it from our Catholic perspective. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's not always coming up with an original idea but it's taking an idea and, and using it for God's purpose in our school and doing what we can. And, you know, so there are lots of resources out there. We're just two little Catholic school teachers in the middle of Indiana that just happen to love what we do. Um, but there are lots of great teachers out there. There and, are, and, and we're lucky to get to, to hear what they're doing. Yeah. That's incredible. Thank goodness that they're willing to share. Yeah, this is great. Everyone is going to be taking notes in this podcast of all the things that they should be doing and trying. And I'm just so grateful for the work you've done. If you would like to follow me on Instagram, my Instagram is stimacist at heart. Um, it is, it is a public, um, Instagram page. So anybody can follow it if you know, and I'm always, Elizabeth and I both are always happy to answer questions. We love to talk about it. We love to talk. I'm Elizabeth, I'm Elizabeth Algram underscore teaches underscore STEM on Instagram. So um, it's great fun. We're just, we love what we do. We love who we do it with. And mostly we love who we do it for. Absolutely. That's great. Well, thank you for being with us. Um, I want to remind all of our listeners that NCA Momentum will be hitting your snail mail soon in the coming weeks. And this one is on academic excellence. There is more stream focus in that issue. So check that out. Um, additionally, registration for Care for Our Common Home stream integration is still open. You can find more information at nca.org. Thank you both for being here. God bless. God bless.